Happy Brain listeners, can you do me a big favor and fill out our Happy Brain listener survey? That'll help me guarantee I can provide the best content for you and all our listeners. Just go to our show notes and complete it. And as an extra incentive, I have a raffle for $25 for Amazon for anybody that completes this. I appreciate your time and thanks for listening to Happy Brain. So I just really want to encourage you if you're feeling sad, despair, depression, stress, anxiety, whatever, there is a light at the end of the tunnel and it is absolutely possible to shift. Welcome to another episode of Happy Brain. My name is Sean Block and thank you for joining us as we explore the fun side to mental health by digging into those fun hacks and fun tips to make your mental health journey more enjoyable and your brain a little happier. How happy are you really? Today we have Monique Rhodes. She is a happiness strategist who teaches students and corporations around the world how to be happy. And you can take a happiness quiz right away. If you want to jump to the show notes and just take it, you'll see how happy you really are. I was surprised. I wasn't as happy as I thought I was according to this survey, but maybe I can listen to some of the Monique Rhodes advice here and get a little happier. So jump right in, settle down and see if you can make your brain a little happier. I want to ask you this relating to travel maybe a travel tip for us, a mental wellness or just travel tip. How do you bring yourself, what's the best tip you have to bring the right energy or mindset or whatever when you travel and you go to a brand new place? Because Oh, yes. Great yes. question. You have to understand that wherever you go, it's not about the shift in the country. It's about you. And that you will show up repeatedly in the same way over and over again. But there's something beautiful about that. There's a wonderful thing that you can do when you're traveling. First of all, get to know yourself because you're going to. Where Whether you're freaking out, you know, in India or in the United States, you're going to freak out wherever. But the wonderful thing is as you shift from place to place, you have the opportunity to show up in new ways. So you know that thing, Sean, when you go home and you see your family, maybe for Thanksgiving or Christmas, and all of a sudden you feel like you're five years old again because everyone holds you in a particular box and it's really difficult and everyone's practiced that mm. way of relating to each other for so long. The wonderful thing is, I'll give you an example. I was working with myself with generosity at one point. This is the one that I always remember so easily. I was working with myself with generosity because I grew up in a, in a family where there was a scarcity mindset. And I noticed because I really didn't have much money when I was younger, that I was always worried about holding on to resources. And I was kind of disappointed in myself for not being you know, generous in the way that I wanted to be. So I was going to a new place in India. I was traveling to a new place where I was going to stay for a little while. So I started a 90-day generosity practice with myself. Every day I had to do something generous. And it was so interesting because two things happened. First of all, my generosity level started to loosen up. And I became, at points, I've become a ridiculously generous person. 
but also because I showed up with this practice of generosity and in this mindset of generosity, the people I met immediately accepted and expected me as being someone who was generous. Mm. So it was reflected back to me, which meant that that shift into generosity happened really quickly. And this is one of the wonderful things that we can do when we travel. Mm. We don't have the confines of people seeing us in a particular way. So we can shift things up quite quickly while we're traveling, mm. but to, especially if you're traveling on your own. I see. Now I can understand why travel alone, so because you don't have that confinement of the person that knows you and that box that you live in with them, and that's, that's why it. the solo travelers just love it. Oh, that's that's fascinating, and that's amazing. Well, switching gears a little bit. First of all, what sparked you? Could you tell us briefly what sparked you to become this traveler and get into mindfulness? And I've linked some of your so many of your resources in our show notes, but. Can you just tell us about how, how you even started this journey? Yeah, well, I grew up in New Zealand and I didn't have the easiest childhood. And I think probably by the age of about 12, I was suffering from depression. I think any 12-year-old who's listening incessantly to Leonard Cohen has probably got something going down. So I w wasn't feeling so great. And, you know, I, I, I managed my life, but I remember feeling unsafe in the world feeling like thoughts and emotions were just out of control. You know, I'd wake up in the morning and I wouldn't know what the day was going to be like. My mood shifted a lot and it was a struggle to be me. And then things kind of hit a climax around the age of 19 and I ended up in hospital having tried to take my own life. Mm -hmm. And Sean, I sat in that hospital bed and I thought to myself, why why do I struggle so much? Like, is there something particularly wrong with me? Or, you know, is there something I can do? Like, and, and there weren't the resources to really help me. So I decided that I was going to do everything I could to try and unpack this and to see whether it was possible to shift. And don't get me wrong, this did not happen overnight. This was a very laborious and slow journey that happened over a couple of decades. And I studied, I investigated, I traveled, I looked. I wanted to see what different environments were like, what different people were doing. I remember going to Thailand and seeing a man who was living under four bamboo poles in a tarpaulin. And he was the happiest person I'd ever seen. He was beaming joy and I was so confused. I knew it held a key. But why is this man so happy when he has none of the things that I've been led to believe are going to make me happy? So then it was this process of experimenting with what I was learning to see, can I use these things I'm learning to transform my life? And I 100%, I, I in fact, sometimes I think if I wasn't me, I would be jealous of myself because I didn't know the levels of happiness that I experience are actually possible. But there was nothing wrong with me. It's that as human beings, life is difficult and no one teaches us how to deal really well with despair and trauma and all the things that, you know, most of us have dealt with to some degree. And so now that's what I teach is I have taken everything that I learn and I help other people do it in a much faster time frame than I did. Well, I really appreciate that. And you know, so this show, we try to keep it light, but sometimes you, I say you have to go a little bit heavy 
to get light. You can't get to where you are sometimes unless you've been to a, a place. And I, I've been there myself at 19. I had similar, similar situations. Uh, I won't get too detailed right now, but yes, I relate to you. The question I have too is, so how did one aspect I know you, you focus on is mindfulness, med mindful meditation. And just real quickly for me, that was my journey to start my process of really improving my mental wellness was learning about mindfulness. I, there was a, a book called a uh, mindfulness, mindful way out of depression by John Kabat-Zinn. I don't know. That was the first book a therapist gave me that kind of helped me see something in that area. So how, how has mindfulness meditation been such a key for you? And why is that so important to teach over maybe some other types of meditation? Why is that particular format so helpful? I think that the most important thing for us to understand is that the external world is not going to make us happy. The internal world is where we have to do the work. And we all know this to some degree because we acquire all the things in our life that we're told will make us happy. We might acquire wealth. We might acquire the gorgeous girlfriend or boyfriend. We might get the job. And at some point, the shine wears off all those things and we start chasing the next thing. But if we want a happiness that's lasting, we have to look at where is the root of that happiness. And the root, the root of that tree is in the mind. So the most important thing that we can do is begin a practice of learning how do I work with my mind? How do I work with those thoughts and emotions that are so out of control for all of us, okay? Do not think if you sit down to a meditation practice and your mind's out of control that it you are not experiencing the exact same thing that everybody else goes through. And to also get to know our minds and to change our relationship with our minds. When we do this, all of a sudden, the relationship with our whole external experience changes. And for me, you know, meditation is a superpower. Like it is so amazing. It is so powerful. And there's so much to it. And it's also incredibly simple at the same time. Could you give us a couple like uh, mindful meditation 101 just for people who don't really yes. know the term mindful? Yeah. I've heard it. So, so basically it's like this. If you sit for a moment and are still right now, in a few seconds, your mind's going to run off. It's going to go off into a story. You're going to think about what am I having for dinner last night, tonight? Who's coming over? What have I got to do? Whatever. It's going to go. And all we do, like a bicep curl, when you have the weight and you lift the bicep curl, is you bring your mind back to the present moment. And, I, and you might use the breath to hold it. You might have a meditation track to hold it, like the ones that I teach. You might have a listen to the birds outside, whatever. That thing is your anchor and you come back to it because the mind needs a little bit of a job to do, not a full-time job, a little part-time job. Okay, my part-time job is it's going to watch the out breath and that can mm. just hold you in place. And then before you know it, off your mind goes, running down in its days of our lives, scenarios that it does and you bring it back and That's it goes off. And you bring it back. That is so interesting. So I've tried different things. And for me, it's not the breath. It's um, a feeling. Like if I can focus on some, how I'm feeling. And there's one track, like you mentioned, there's certain tracks you resonate with. And I, there's one track that all it talks about is grounding. And what are you feeling right now? What are you feeling? 
And that seems to help me kind of get out of the crazy thinking and stuff. Beautiful. And that's exactly it, Sean, because by getting you to focus on your feeling, you're anchoring yourself. You're giving that mind a little part-time job. Mm. All right. The mind cannot multitask, even though we think it can. It can only do one thing at a time. So you give a little part-time job, let's focus on what you're feeling. And for a few moments, it will stay there. Then it will dance off into all its imaginings, which is why it which is where we see it can't multitask. And then we bring it back. And the more we bring it back, Mm -hmm. slowly but surely, we are training it, and it takes a long time. And we're training ourselves to be in the present moment. Mm -hmm. And this is so powerful, Sean, because there are three places our mind can be. It can be in the past, it can be in the present, or it can be in the future. But if we think about it like this, the past is just a figment of our imagination. Because we have filtered an experience and we only remember very certain things from our perspective. So it's just a little bit of a fantasy. The future doesn't exist yet, hasn't come yet. So the past and the future don't really exist. The only moment that really exists is the present moment. Mm. But we spend most of our time thinking about the past or thinking about the future. We can bring our minds into the present moment. Our stress and anxiety begins to dissolve and be released because actually this is the only moment that's real. You made me think about something that I haven't thought about. You said it earlier. You said you have to give your mind a job to do. Now, a lot of meditation we're taught is the opposite, is lose your mind, get lost in nothing, right? And is mindful meditation, when you give yourself a job like feeling or breath or whatever, is is that really what mindful meditation is? It's actually consciously getting your mind to do something that's distracting the rest of you? Yeah, because when you think about it like this, if I say to you, get your mind lost in nothing, if I was to say to you, Sean, I want you to think about nothing. How long do you think you would last? (laughs) Right? Probably about three or four seconds Mm. at the most. And the misunderstanding that we often have is that we have to clear our mind. No thoughts, no emotions, right? This is really problematic because this is often how people end up giving up on a meditation practice because they're like, I can't do that. Of course you can't do that. I want to frame it to you a little bit differently and say that Our thoughts and emotions are as natural as the waves are in the ocean. And in the ocean, the waves rise up and then they dissolve. Our thoughts rise up in the same way. That is that's thanks for sharing that. There's so many ways to connect with you. One thing that I have enjoyed is getting to know your your podcast. You do it daily and you do these bite-sized things, 10 minutes, little things every day to to help. How did how, you've been doing it what for over a few years now? Oh my gosh, Sean, I'm just nuts sometimes, you know? When COVID hit, all I could think about was how can I be more support to my clients? I thought I need to create a podcast. Everyone was freaking out. We were all freaking out. It was such a difficult time. And like everybody else, I thought it was going to be over in a couple of weeks. So I thought to myself, I'll just podcast daily for these few weeks while we get through this. And three years later, I've been podcasting 
every day now for I think next month is three years. But it's great. I love it. It's a great way to a lot of my clients will write questions about things that are going on for them in their lives. I can answer them directly. Um, but yeah, it's just a great way to be teaching on a daily basis and for people to get to know me and what it is that I'm doing. That's great. And one of the things that I did to get to know you was I went on your site and you had a happiness quiz. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So I took it and I didn't score as high as I thought I would. It was really interesting. Good. But, but then you also have this 10 minute meditation mindfulness program. Could you just tell us really quickly about that and how they can how they can access that? Yeah, absolutely. There's two things I want to tell you about. First of all, come to howhappyami.com. Do the quiz that Sean did. Secondly, if you want to try meditation, come and try. You can do it for free for 10 days. Come to uh, moniqueroads.com. You can find the 10-minute mind. 10 minutes a day. And trust me, you're being taught by someone who found learning meditation difficult. So I make it super easy. This program's used in 70 colleges and universities around the world. Thousands, thousands, and thousands of people use it. But there's one more thing. I have an eight-week online course where I teach you how to be happier. It's called the Happiness Baseline. It is phenomenal. And it also includes learning the meditation side of things. We have put thousands of people through this course, and I'm so proud of it because we test people with the standardized happiness test, the universal happiness test at the beginning and at the end. And I have a 100% success rate in shifting people's scores from when they start to when they finish. And for some people, the shift is really dramatic. Mm. And I just encourage you to look at that. The awesome thing about it is I have a special way that you can actually do the course for free. What I care about is people doing the work and seeing the shifts in their lives. So I really encourage you to check that out as well. Great. Is anything else you want to share with us before we wrap up? Wrap up? One thing, Sean, you and I both know what it's like to feel despair. We both know how difficult it is, right? But the light in all of this is there's hope. It doesn't matter how difficult things are for you. If you can learn to work with your mind, you can change your whole life. So I just want to bring the hope to anybody. I am no Einstein, all right? If I can do it, anybody can do it. So I just really want to encourage you, if you're feeling sad, despair, de depression, stress, anxiety, whatever, there is a light at the end of the tunnel and it is absolutely possible to shift. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Sean. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for listening to another episode of Happy Brain. If you enjoyed this, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you have an extra second, leave us an honest review over on iTunes or your Apple podcasting app. And until next time, my friends, keep that brain of yours happy. Happy.